huh? Yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> hey, everyone, I'm Kevin Wolf. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to The Umbargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. Whenever we get around to it. Which is usually every other week. We're going to talk about news, politics, sports, pop culture, business, whatever we want. All of it from the point of view of public relations and communication. We are all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Today is Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Happy New Year, Kevin Wolf. Happy New Year, Dave. Hey, when's the uh, deadline for saying Happy New Year to someone? Like like, I think after like the 10, I keep from going under. I think that's no, it. It's like a jungle. I think if you're in the first month of under. the year, and you can, uh, you're saying we you can keep them, this going until the 31st, if you see them for the first time, like next week, I'm not going to say Happy New Year to you. Oh. This week, first time I see you this year, I'm going to say Happy New Year. Okay, so if it's I the see, first time you see someone in the year. So if I see someone for the first time in February, is that okay? I said until January, the first month you could say that. Oh, the first month, the first yeah. month. So, so it's good until January 31st, but on February 1st, it's a no-go. Even yeah, if you haven't only, seen it. Yeah, it's only good one time, right? One so, time. It's a one-time yeah. one deal through, it's like, this is like a, like a coupon, man. You get yeah, to yeah. say Happy New Year through January one time. Through January to one per, yeah. So Yeah, per person. This it, is a it, comms it, issue. In case yeah, somebody yeah. wasn't paying attention, like we need to know there ought to be rules about this stuff. Like, cause it is confusing. I get, you know, I'm like, yeah, happy new year, but I don't know. We're two weeks in and now, really? you know, I don't know. Well, and are you, are you I mean, seeing any, are you seeing anybody tomorrow for the first time this year? I'm not seeing anybody at all. We locked this shit down over here, man. <laughs> we're just home waiting for COVID to come knocking on the door, man. What's up? We're COVID. We're here to infect you. What's up? Well, you, yeah. well you, uh, you might see somebody on zoom. For the first time. Oh, yeah. I New see Year. people on Zoom. Yeah, I've been Zooming people all over the place, man. I'm Zooming people in Israel and Scotland. What if you Zoom someone in Australia on the 31st, January 31st in the US, but now it's February in Australia? Can you Happy New Year that person? You you can because it's yours. And they'll be oh. like, hey, but it's not good for me. I so can't they can't Happy anymore. New Year me. They can't yeah, Happy no. New Year me. No, right. no, because it's February 1st. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> hey, you Okay, yeah, that's that, 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 that's, that's how we start this show. I think we... This is the embargo, dude. <laughs> I, I gotta say, like, uh -huh. like in two weeks, we will have been doing this for one year, right? Okay. We started. Let let. I, I think today we're just gonna do a little retrospective. We did a retrospective our last show in December and kind of went all over the shows. The shows of I think people liked it, man. Like we got I, some I, downloads I got, on that app. Yeah. Yeah, and I got some good feedback on that. You okay. know why they liked it? Because it was short. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to let us know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a point taken. We're going to cut it back a little bit this year. 2022, they're going to be, be a little shorter. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think, I don't know what's going to happen this year. Like, Kevin, mm. let's just talk about this. We, we started this last year, you know, deep in COVID, and then we just went with it. And so 2022 yeah. is a whole new year. And guess uh, what? Uh, COVID's still fucking going on. So. <laughs> It's worse than ever, man. So I think we're the people are stuck with us, you know. Yeah, but you know, that's I, was, right. I was telling I was telling my uh, I was telling Tiffany uh, a little while ago that I really appreciate podcasts and and like and the like because it's a great distraction. Like yeah. I'm playing this, um, and it's been so great this 
this past year, man, not just the stuff that we're doing, but listening to podcasts and it just takes my mind off all the other shit. But you know what I've been doing lately, man, that's really been great is, is Wordle. Are you doing Wordle? No, dude. I read the headlines on that. Oh man. They got me, dude. I'm I'm all in on, I I can't do, I, I hope my clients aren't listening. I'm not doing any work. I'm just trying to figure out my wordle of the day. Wait, what is it, dude? Like I saw oh, the headline. Funny. I said it looks like a game. It is. Uh, I know you don't like games either, <laughs> right? Not really. What, yeah. what kind it's, of game is it? What's the difference between Sudoku and Scrabble? I, don't know. I never played Sudoku. I play a lot of Scrabble, or I, I used to. But but Wordle is great, man. It's like I mean, most people probably know, so I won't go into too much detail. But basically, you're trying to guess the word of the day, and you get six chances. And it's a five-letter word. And you're just, you know, uh, you, you guess a word and then it tells you, did you, you know, which letters are correct and if they're in the right place and you get six chances and, uh, you know, people you only get one a day. Yep. One word a day. See, that's a, that's a technique right there, by the way, right? Like limited supply that gets people excited. That's a marketing tip right there for all you marketers out there. Keep the supply limited, but yeah, that's a, that's a great, it's, it's great. And the challenge isn't after you've been playing for a few days, it's not so much getting the word, but it's how quickly you can get it. Cause you do get six chances, but if you can get it like on the second or third chances to your rest of your day is great. You're just feeling so good about yourself, you know? And if it takes you six, you know, it's like you got kicked, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's brutal. So yeah, man, it's uh, I'm, I've been playing a lot of Wordle and I'm thankful for the Wordle and whoever, I think some guy named John Wardle actually created it. Anyway, I'm thankful to John if that's his name, I'm thankful to all the podcasters out there because honestly, man, I, I need that distraction. And uh, I'm thankful for my work, for my clients, actually, because that helps too. You know, yeah. so that's, that's what's getting me through the pandemic, Dave. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I think we're getting out a little bit, but staying away from people. We took our, we, we, we got a travel trailer and Airstream. We took it down to Malibu mm. over holiday break. And, you know, the cool thing about a travel trailer is you get to go someplace, but don't have to go into a hotel. Right. Closed rooms and things like that. So uh, we had a a good what time did you do down in Malibu. Uh, it rained in L.A. for like two days yeah. straight. And I have never experienced that before. We had like crazy full. weather in California here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, on the rainy days, we actually went to go see uh, the Getty Villa in uh, near Santa Monica in Malibu. Yeah. Uh, some people have too much money. <laughs> so is, is, the Getty, had one. is that near the museum, the Getty Museum? The museum's on the 405 in yeah, LA. I, I know that's where I grew up, but I, I I didn't know. I've been to the Getty Museum. I drove past it a million times, and my my father lived by the museum for a long time. But where's the villa? I didn't know there was a Getty the, Villa out there. The villa's on just in Santa Monica on the coast. Okay. Yeah, and it's uh not too far where Sunset Boulevard ends. Okay. If you haven't been, if I if you haven't been to neither, I, I would uh, I highly suggest you go. Uh, the Getty Villa is a replica of a villa that is based on a roman retreat hmm. that got i think mount vesuvio or something uh buried it in lava and j paul hmm. getty said i want to rebuild it and they rebuilt it where did but they, i was where? oh go ahead but Sorry. I, let me finish here so like and it was really and, and it's a place to showcase all of the uh artifacts he he found right. over you know greek roman times so there's a lot of um uh artwork busts uh old fragments of pottery etc and some a lot of rembrandts in there 
Hmm. But I was reading one of the things, Kevin, and one of the things that I read in there, it was talking about what affluent Romans did. And so this villa is what affluent Romans had. And so it had pillars, it had pools, it had gardens, it had whatever it is. And this is something that you should, you and I should aspire to. Affluent Romans incorporated such frescoes in their villas as part of their practice of otium. And otium is the, is the wordle word of the day. O-T-I-U-M, right? And I read this and I had to take a picture of it. And I said, otium is the leisurely pursuit of high culture and pleasant relaxation. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I need need more of that right here. But yet we have this lowbrow podcast that we We do do every week. And so we got it. It is a leisurely podcast. So we got that part right. (laughs) We got the leisurely (laughs) pursuit, but we didn't get the high class part down. So we're, we're low, low, low class and leisure, baby. That's that's how we roll on the embargo. All right, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's fun. Yeah. So in in, in the run up to this show, mm. Kevin and I, quite frankly, we we were both. The year started off really quick, and I'm sure Kevin was busy. I'm busy, and we were coming up with ideas for this show, and we're like, you know what? One thing that I don't think we've talked about, Kevin, is how we got into consulting. And I think we could probably share some tips and tricks for people how to, to do that and maybe share our journey for folks who want to get in the consulting business. Because you know what? Go is still going on. People are still working from home. People are, you know, rethinking the way that they can shape how they work. And it doesn't necessarily have to be inside a corporation. Well, you, you, you know, right? I mean, unemployment is low, but, but people, there's like millions of jobs unfilled. And so I, I think that's exactly what you're talking about, right? So people aren't going back to the traditional corporate workforce and people who can are looking for alternative, alternative models. And I think you're right. I think they're going to lean really hard into, you know, what we call out in Silicon Valley here, like the gig economy or, you know, like basically, you know, working hourly jobs, you know, kind of here and there. And, uh, and that's basically, you know, and you and I have been doing it for a long time. So it's a little more buttoned up than that, but that's essentially what we're doing. So I think I think you're right, man. I, I'd be you know happy to share my story. I don't know how how interesting so, it is. There's a couple of twists and turns. Why don't yeah, you start, man? Why don't well, you? No, no. I'm going to start with you because you started oh. before me. My 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 story begins with you, actually, Kevin. Oh. So you actually started this in what year? What got you into it? And right, how did it work out? Okay, 2002. I was working at a software company in Silicon Valley. Um, and I'd been there a few years and, you know, I had come from the agency side, as you know, and when I was on the agency side, I always felt like we were billing a ton of money and very rarely, in my opinion, delivering results that were commensurate with, with those costs. I, I just, I don't want to say we were ripping our clients off, but it just felt like we were I don't know, man, we were billing a lot of money. We had some clients, tens of thousands of dollars a month. And I just felt like, damn, like, I know I'm doing a lot of work on this account. And I know, I know it's that, you know, that can't possibly be what they're paying for. There can't be enough value there. But Kevin, I remember having that conversation with you when we were both at Fleischman Hillard. We both did the math on our annual salary. And we were like, I think I'm getting 25 bucks an hour. Yeah. (laughs) At a hundred bucks an hour. (laughs) I know we weren't getting paid what, I know we weren't getting paid what we, uh, I know we were getting paid a, a small amount relative to what the clients were paying. But even, even then, like, it's just like, just the, what we were, what we were doing, like the work that we were generating, the results that we were generating. 
I kept looking at him going, oh my God, like General Magic paid us $70,000 this month. And like, I know I was doing a lot of the pitching. I know we got a few of these hits, but there's no way that's worth 70,000. So that was my experience on the agency side. And then when I went in-house and I had an agency that was working for me, I had the reverse experience. I was now responsible for the budget and I was paying a bunch of money to agency people. And I, and I was like, there's just no way like this hit in this pub or these couple of hits is not worth what we're spending. And it was usually, you know, 10, $15,000 a month. And I just, I, I started to feel, and I think honestly, Dave, this is kind of how good businesses usually start. I was like, this is a problem, right? This model is broken. It, it doesn't need to work this way. The, 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 in-house PR person shouldn't feel like they're getting ripped off and the agency shouldn't be getting fat because they're taking advantage of their client. And so I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. There needs to be someone else to cut. It needs to be a, a model to fill this gap. And so that's, that's, that's what, um, that's what prompted it, man. I decided to leave the company I was working for. And honestly, I wasn't happy there and it was showing, I think in my attitude and effort, if I'm being perfectly honest, I think they were you know, not super disappointed that I decided to leave, um, you know, to put it mildly. And I think it was just best for both of us. And um, I left, it was spring 2002. And, you know, the model that I came up with basically is the model that I use today. And it's really simple. And there are two components to it. And the first is that there's no, there would be no fixed term for the engagement, meaning my clients could come and go as they liked. Um, you know, people change, needs change, businesses change. I didn't want anybody to feel locked in. So where most agencies said, you're going to sign up for a year and you're going to agree to spend 10,000 bucks a month. And if you exit for some reason, we're going to stick you with a big penalty. I said, tack with that. There's no fixed term. You can come and go whenever you want. And then the second piece was there's no fixed fee. There would be no retainer which again, the agency model is sign up for a year, agree to spend X per month. And if you, we're going to send you a bill for that either way, whether we do any work for you or not, whether we get any results or not, we're sending you a bill for that amount every month and you've got to pay it. And I just thought that was a shitty model and said, you know what? Um, I'm going to call it utility PR, but it's basically the cloud model. You're going to pay by the hour uh, essentially for my service. And you can use as much or as little as you like. And, uh, you know, and, and some clients spend a few hundred bucks in one month and then they'll spend 10,000 the next and then whatever they want. And that's the model that I started with, uh, 20, 20 years ago, actually this spring. And it's, it's basically the model that I've got today. So Kevin, what, what age do you do? Like, there's a lot of people that sit on consulting side, want to consult or do get out of their jobs. Right. What, what, what made you jump ship? And, and did you have a client in hand when you left? Yeah. So, so part, of it was, part of it was, you know, I thought there was an opportunity, right? I really felt like there was an opportunity for someone to come along and offer their service, offer a PR service like this that had all those components that I just mentioned. And that would make everybody, at least the client, feel really good about the situation. The other part of it was I was working at a software company that was doing fine, but to be honest, I, I felt like it was a it was a tough pitch. It was a tough sell to press, and you know the positioning was a, a challenge in terms of the competition. And I I kind of just 
was looking ahead and thinking, you know what, this is going to, this is going to be kind of like hitting my head against the wall for a while. Like I don't really see these guys going much further and I could have gone to another company, but one of the things I really wanted to do, Dave, was work with companies to the extent that I could, that would make my job as a PR person easier. Right. And the company I was with was, it wasn't going to be an easy job. It was going to be a really hard job with a highly uncertain future. And and I wanted to work with companies that were going to make it much easier for me to get great press coverage for them. So that that kind of, that really drove me out. And then when I left, my first client was actually one of the, uh, the partners to the company, the, a partner of the company that I was working with uh, at the time. They were a consulting firm down in Los Angeles. And I reached out to the president shortly after I left and said, hey, I've left, but we did some great work together. You know, are you still looking for that kind of help? And he was, and uh, and we started doing some business. And uh, funny enough, he reached out to me uh, in November this past year and said, "Hey, you know, I could use your help again." And we went back to work and and we did some stuff together in November and December. And uh, so yeah, it was a great relationship. It's it, you know, and I think you do, Dave. Just to kind of put a point on. Like I think you do. It helps a lot if you've got that. You got some client, some anchor piece that can help you get started. Um, that's a that's a smart move. Um, and so, like you did that, you got the client. Yep. And then I always think of it as like a journey, right? Like you get one client, you're mm-hmm. doing that work, and then something else comes in, and it's always changing. I've had clients for years. Right? Yeah. I had one for seven, eight years. I had another one, for, you know, six for yep. a long time. It's great. It um, is. But it, every client today is different from the client I started out with. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, the people move on, but the company, if you do good work, they'll stick around. Yeah. So did you just keep adding clients or did you, did you cold call people? Did you yeah. pitch or what? Did I did, you-, you know, early on, that was a big part. And, you know, I've been fortunate in the last, I don't know, decade or so that I haven't had to do much of this because most of the business I have today is on referral. But early on, it was a lot of um, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of cold calls, a lot of reaching out to companies that I had experience in their space. Uh, and I knew that I could, I could help and, you know, and, and pitching my services and, and that's hard. Like, you know, I knew when I started in as a consultant, I knew how to do PR, right. I could write the press releases. I knew how to position my clients. I knew how to get coverage. I knew how to do the the work that's required of the PR person, what I really didn't know how to do, what I really didn't have much experience with was selling the business, was selling myself, was you know pitching myself to people and trying to convince them that they should hire me. So that took some, that took some time. Like that did not, that didn't happen overnight. Um, you know, I was fortunate, I guess, that I didn't need a bunch of business early on to kind of keep myself afloat. I could do it with a client or two and a project or two here and there. And, you know, along the way, I was just developing skills, right? I was learning how to pitch. I was learning how to sell. Again, not pitch my clients, but pitch myself, pitch the business, how to convince someone they should take a chance on me, how they, you know, why I would be a better option for them than an agency or another contractor. And that, that took some work. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll tell you a little bit about me, Kevin. Do it. If you don't mind. No, yeah. Yeah. So I'd come back from Asia, done seven years with flights from Hillard. I landed a contract gig at a place called Open Wave, now affectionately known as Open Grave, 
<laughs> and uh, actually, our, one of our guests, uh, Candace Locklear, uh, at the time she was pregnant and she went on maternity leave. And it just so happened I came back from Asia and she was like, hey, I'm going on maternity leave. Take my job for six right. months. And it was perfect, right? So I, I would be able to come back and get uh, U.S. work experience and get acclimated to it uh, and did that job for six months. And then I took a job. Did she come and, back after six she, months? Yeah, she did come back. She did okay. come back. And, and so she did she boot you back? I mean, not boot you out, but did you leave because she was coming back to take her spot? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and mostly because that was that was the agreement. Right. You work here right. for six months. When I get back, my job's still in shape and yep. you're out. That's what you know you do as a consultant sometimes, right? And so I, you I were prepared for that. You knew that was coming, that that gave you some visibility into what you need to do at the end of that six months. Yeah, and I was looking for a job. And at the time I was oh, okay. thinking I needed a job uh-huh. and I got a job at Embarcadero Technologies. Right. And um three months into that job, I knew I didn't want to be at that job. <laughs> you just it, it just wasn't a fit. It was not a fit. It was not yeah. a fit. It wasn't going to be any good. And and uh I had to go within three months. Um, I still know a couple people there that are really great. Uh, but I actually the company's moved on. I don't even know where they are right now. But there's some people I met there that were great. But I don't know if you know this, Kevin, or not. And I, t- I think I talked to you and I was like, dude, this ain't working out. And he's like, hey, you, you said, hey, come consult for me. Why well, make 40 bucks an hour there? You can make 100 bucks an hour over here. Just do it, man. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? How do you? So I've I barely been back in the United States for a year. And you're telling me to like. Quit your this. job. Quit yeah. your job. Yeah. And I think That's that scary. that that, con- that conversation started in you know the summer of 2004 and i was just recently married back in the states and i i had no clue what to do and uh but i knew i had to get out of that job and it's interesting kevin so uh i made the decision to leave my job based on one client and it was a project for five thousand dollars uh and i was like oh i got a client because somebody, like I was talking to people, is it was a, oh, oh, what's his name? I forget it, but it was Spirit Wireless. It was during, I think it was Hurricane Katrina. And this guy was a reseller of global satellite phones. And they needed these phones down in New Orleans to uh, help deal with the Katrina yeah, situation. Yeah, totally, right? Because phone yeah. lines were down or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, dude, I'll do it. Right. And and uh, he says, "All right, we signed a little contract for five thousand. Turned in my turned in my uh, uh, resignation. Yep. And I'm I'm out of here. Isn't and- it amazing? Like, <laughs> so you at the time, you know, I don't know how you, how old you were in two thousand four, but you you're you just married, but you don't have any kids. I don't think you had a mortgage at the time. No. So five thousand seems like you know. I mean, I remember it's like, hey, this is this is great. Like I could live off five grand for a a month or so. Like I'll make this work. Now today, flash forward 25 years or 20 years or whatever, that five grand, that's not going very far, man. That's like, you know, half the mortgage and all the bills and, you know, it's a grocery budget. That's that's right. That's like two weeks, man. You know? So it's amazing, but it, it, it is a good, like it, well, it's a good lesson, right? Like if you are a young person, you're in a much better position usually to make a decision, a career changing decision like that, 
Yeah, well, I, I got to tell later. you, it, it was it was a leap of faith, right? People talk about this leap of faith and that you don't really know what you can do until you start doing it. And I had no clue what I was doing on the consulting front. Well, wait a second, though. So it, it is a leap of faith in the sense that you don't know if you're going to be able to make it. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it. And in, in the back of our minds, I'm sure we're both thinking the same thing, like, well, may have to go back and get a regular job at some point. You know, but on the other hand, you did know how to do the work. It wasn't like you were just, you know, pushing paper at Fleischman Hillard for seven years. Like you had a solid job, like you had experience, you had demonstrated the ability to do this work well. And I think that had to have given you some confidence, didn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I, I never questioned my ability to do the work. You question your ability to find more work. There you go. And to keep working, right? And how are you going to make that happen? And, you know, every, you know, as soon as you're starting a business, it's everything from a business license to a website, to calling somebody, to finding more work. Oh, and then I have to go do work. I never had to do any of that other stuff before. I just yeah. showed up to work, did the work, got a paycheck, was out the door. So, right? so, so let me ask you a question. So, so think kind of, let's say you're talking to someone who's considering the move that you made, that I made. And they've got those same kinds of issues. What 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 are some suggestions that we could give for prioritizing the work that they've got to do to get off the ground and to keep it going? You got any tips? Yeah. So I've had a lot of these conversations over the years, and some of the people I've had these conversations with are now running big big size, mid size agencies, right? That they started from like shops like me and you. Conversations Kevin. you had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I. The, the thing about particularly in PR consulting, the barriers to, or PR in general, it's it's a really low barrier to entry business, right? What you really need, I mean, we don't have to build a manufacturing plant. You know, we don't have to navigate right. difficult uh, regulations, laws, regulations or anything yeah. like that, right? You don't need a so, lot of overhead. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You can get in pretty easily. So what, what, what I tell people is you need, you know, back then it was a phone call and a computer and you could basically do everything you need. And, you know, you buy the services online, everything to run the business of PR, media databases, time entry, tracking systems, accounting software, all of that is there. You just got to get that out of the way really quickly. But I told people that were worried about that. Don't, stress on that so much of like this sort of operational side, go find the business first yeah. and then worry about it. Right. Start collecting money and then figure out how to do your taxes and do yeah. your accounting software. Right. No, that's, that, that's the right, that's, you know? that's the right advice. I, and I, I just taking it a step further. I, I think, you know, making sure you've got a happy client, one client at a time, right. Is, is just critical. Like, because what happens with, that client success is, you know, as you alluded to before, people move on, right? They stay in the business, but they change jobs, change companies. And, you know, they take you with them if it was a good experience or, yeah. or a bad experience for that matter. I was really focused on like, I'm going to just crush it for each of these clients early on. And yeah, it doesn't mean I always did, but like, that was always my, my thought process. It wasn't like, oh, cool. Like, I did something. I'm going to get a check from them. They're going to have to, you know, I'm going to cash that check and I need that. I needed that money. But what I knew at the time 
is I needed their their faith in me, their confidence in me even more than I needed that paycheck. Yeah. Because if I was going to make this work, I was going to have to have as many, you know, happy clients as I, as I possibly could. Yeah. I, I, I want to go back a, l- a little bit, Kevin, to what I, what I was saying. Like there's this leap of faith. It, it, it literally happened to me and I couldn't believe it happened. Uh, when I left Embarcadero Technologies for that one project, the one thing that I had in the bank, I knew I was going to get a $5,000 check sometime within the next 60 days right. if I did this work right. And by the way, it was really successful. I ended up getting him national broadcast because it was such mm. a hot topic. And the dude sold telephones and he's like, yeah, I love it, man. Thank you so much. He got the best deal on that PR than anybody <laughs> ever sent. But I turned yeah. in my badge at Embarcadero Technologies at 100 California Street in downtown San Francisco. Turn it in. I'm leaving the office. I'm take the elevator down and then it hits me and I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Right? Like, yeah. Oh my God. And all of a sudden I get this phone call and I pick up my phone and I'm in the lobby and it's, uh, Hadley Winkles is in, in calls me up and she says, Hey, I've got a project for you. Can you come consult? Hmm. And she was at another PR agency. So, and she need, she was short on bodies. Before I even left the building, Kevin, I had my second client. Nice. And it just, it's because, because I, I, I made the jump, right? It was that yeah. sort of leap of faith. And one of the things I would say to others that are starting on this is you got to have flexibility. Goal is to have your own clients, right? So that is it. But what I did, unlike you, Kevin, I white labeled myself and I worked for other con, uh, consultants, Right. If they needed help. I was doing media lists or whatever. And I kept doing that until I actually got my own number of clients Right. in a row. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, as you mentioned, that, that wasn't my model, but I, I think it makes, I think it makes sense. You know, um, I, I think, yeah, you I think your point's right though. Like, I think if you can ultimately get to a point where you've got your own clients and you're dictating the terms and the um, and the compensation, uh, it's, it's a much stronger position ultimately, but there's, yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly nothing wrong with, uh, you know, white labeling or whatever in, in the meantime. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's a good way and, to get started. And, and the other thing I did was, was sort of, if you're going to do this, I think you're going to need a little bit of experience, right? Like I wouldn't, ex- you can't be like, Oh, I'm first year PR guy or woman and just jump right in you could do it but it's going to be awfully hard i think the agency experience the in-house experience definitely helped helped a lot and so they're like seven oh, yeah. or eight years in because you you get to know the business you, um and see how people work and then you but most importantly you get to make connections and those connections are the ones that end up referring you uh hiring you sure or working with you that's all true. You're right. I, I would say though, you know, I think I'm trying to think, I guess I had been doing it for doing PR for, I guess it was about the same amount of time. I'm trying to think it was, I started in 95 and I left in 02. So yeah, it was seven years, but I don't think you need much more than that. No. Right. I think if you're trying to do it out of college or something, or after a, an internship, I think that's, that's super tough. But I, I think, you know, a half dozen years is, is plenty to, you know, as long as you've had the right type of experience that, you know, you don't need much more than that. It's, you know, because the thing about PR is, 
Um, I, I, you know, at least in my opinion, like, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward process. I think it's fairly repeatable across industries and obviously the level, you know, I, I think you get better, you do a better job when you've been in an industry or serving a particular set of clients for a longer period of time. I've, I've been doing nothing but enterprise software and services now for 25 years. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I, as a result, like, I, I think, you know, my, the work that I do is better. I think, you know, um, it's worth more obviously, but I, you know, after five or six years, you should have a pretty good handle on the PR process itself. And, you know, you may need to learn an industry. You may need to adjust your compensation expectations based on your relatively limited amount of experience, but you should be able to go out on your own after, you know, yeah, five I, or six you know years. I'm, I'm glad you said enterprise software there and focus on that. Cause I also made the conscious decision when I started that I would only focus on enterprise clients everywhere from, you know, Silicon to software. I did not want to do consumer technologies, right? Because uh, some people are good at that. And I just felt like there was, at least in-house when I was at the agency, the people that actually understood enterprise technologies were fewer and far between. Anybody could jump on an iPhone launch or a Fitbit launch or right. something like that. Because it's very consumer, it's a lot easier to understand. Uh, but on the enterprise side, I, I, I thought of that as a key differentiator for me to focus on. And it's been great because that's, that's all I've been working. Some people see it as boring. I kind of find it fascinating because it's really hard stuff to understand, but as soon as you learn it you, and promote it and push it, it's actually kind of some pretty cool stuff. There, totally. there are and, some stores in there though. And, and actually, I mean, you know, the reality is that enterprise software has become a lot more similar to consumer software over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years anyway. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, Salesforce is a complex system, for example, but it's it's you know its interface, the way you know the way you use it, you know whether you know or Slack would be another example. Like I mean, they're basically consumer tools um, with you know you know some additional functionality and and probably a little more comp you know complexity than your average you know uh, e email application. But it's it's gotten a lot easier. I tend to agree, but let me, let me just throw something else at you because and, and maybe we wrap on this. Um, have taken a slightly different approach that I think is uh, kind of might be helpful for some people and uh, going out on their own to think about. But you know, I am my my approach to um, working with clients. It has always been to work with you know more as many as I can at any given time without obviously jeopardizing the quality of the work that I'm doing. So, you know, I, I, sometimes I might have, you know, a dozen clients at any given time, which is, you know, about my ceiling in terms of making sure that I can always deliver, you know, the, the kind of service that I want to deliver. And I think you've gone the other way where, you know, you'll, you'll kind of focus on three or four clients at a time. Is that right? Uh, I'll take as many as I can get Kevin. Is that right? Them. Oh, I yeah. thought we were okay. I thought we were, we had different, different viewpoints on that. I'm more like, spread my eggs around a little. And I thought you were more like, you know, eggs in fewer baskets than, you know, I don't know. I thought I had that wrong. Or I thought no, I had that. No, I, thought no. I, had that, I, thought I, that was I think, right. I think your MO was, has always been a little bit different from mine, but I'll take it on. What I have done is I've had clients who wanted to work on retainers more than hourly. Oh, I see. Right. And so the retainers end up being slightly larger budgets, if you will. 
And for a while there, I was taking on what I could do based on those retainers. And those retainers hours are, you know, I mean, you, there's only so many hours you can give in a month as an individual. Uh, and I would take those on. It's not to say I wouldn't take on project clients on an hourly basis, but the majority have been on retainers. Right now, I have mostly retainers, but two or three on hourly just because of their needs. So what I did was kind of a hybrid of yours, Kevin, is I, I too don't have any long-term contracts unless the client wants to sign right. a long-term contract. I too can work on hourly basis, sort of this cloud computing model that you talk about. You spin up an instance of David Oro for an yep. hour, you get billed for an hour. Uh, and but I also have the retainer ones that, you know, that I've been working with for years. And it's mostly, I think it's less about, about um, taking a retainer budget and more like, you know what, this is, it's more mostly for the internal teams or the chief marketing officers say, this is my budget for PR. I don't ever want it to change. Right. How much can you do for us? Yeah. You know, you know what's funny, man, is I have, you know, as I mentioned before, my, I guess, preferred approach or recommended approach is, is the hourly uh, version. But I've definitely had some clients in the last year that have come to me with that exact request. Like we want to, we want to work with you, but we want to do it on retainer. And I've, uh, I've, you know, I've brought those pieces of business on as well. I, I think ultimately, Dave, and, and maybe this is this is a good lesson is like, you know, you need to be flexible enough to do what the client wants you to do if you want to get that piece of business. And you've got to set some parameters for yourself to make sure that you're, again, always making sure to deliver the kind of quality uh, and service that, you know, your clients are going to appreciate and, um, and want to remember you for. Yeah. But flexibility is, is key. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, okay. One thing I want to hit up on, is sort of this notion of net is this notion of networking and people bat it around all the time. And some people are scared of it and there's all different techniques. Like, you know, you'll hear about these Uber networkers that are out there in the world and they connect everybody and they make things happen. And, you know, everybody knows who they are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm that shining star, but I'm pretty good at networking or at least keeping some of these relationships going. I think networking actually comes from one, obviously knowing and working with people, but doing good work all the time. So people remember you later on that you were a good person. You're doing good work. I'm going to re recommend you for some other work. And that gets you more work. Now, in the case of me, Kevin, when I started out, I can act outside of you saying jump ship, start consulting for the first almost 10 years, all of my work, I could point from one source and that was burning man. Okay. So connections you made at the burning man event turned into clients for you is what you're saying. In 1999, I volunteered at burning man's, uh, media center, which they call Media Mecca. And we were hosting journalists from around the world to report on Burning Man. And inside the people that were doing that were mostly PR folks who were volunteering to help out with Burning Man at Media Mecca. Uh, one of those was Candace Locklear, who I did the, what I told you at the top of the hour, right, right, basically right. maternity leave. 
she ended up because of that experience ended up introducing me to a client ironport and then another one here and then from the ironport it kind of grew into cisco and other things and all of this stuff just because we had that one you don't know where like this should have come from somebody at fleischman hillard or a colleague someplace else but what you do on outside of work in personal interest might be something it that might, you, it might, yeah. but I got to say, man, I, so Candace, you know, brought you in or recommended you or whatever, but she must've seen something that she liked in you when you guys were together at Burning Man in terms of your ability to do the work. Right. Well, cause I, we were doing PR on the Burning Man play. Well, right. you know, we were, you know, we were doing news interviews. We were right. telling stories. We were right. guiding journalists to cover so, so, this and that. Yeah. And so leading that's what teams. I would, yeah. Right. But so, but so she saw your work and that's my point. So like, I've never had, I don't know, maybe I'm not such a likable guy. I've never had anybody hire me because they liked me. Right. (laughs) Um, Especially when their jobs are on the line. Right. Most people hire me because I do good work and they know I do good work because we either work together or somebody they trust told them that I do good work. So I, I agree with you. Like networking is important and it can lead to stuff. But honestly, I think networking is big. If, like if you screw up, like it's like, oh, you know, I, I, I did a bad job, but this guy knows me or this girl knows me and or, you know, this person knows me. And therefore, like, even if I didn't do a great job, they're like, ah, you know, he'll probably do a good job the next time. But I, I don't know if, I mean, yeah, like it's true. Like who you know matters, but it, I don't, in business, I think what matters more than who you know is, are you capable? Is this person going to do a good job? And I think that supersedes the the relationship most of the time for. Oh, absolutely! I, actually, I I I'd flip the other way. It's who knows you, right? Yeah. Not who you know. It's who knows yeah. you. Yeah. Who knows exactly. you? Who knows your capabilities? Who knows your personality? Who knows Kevin? Even though you you know you you doubt yourself, the likability part of. It. Oh man, that's I, nice of you. That's everybody, nice. Of you. Everybody likes that. Kevin. Yeah, that's very nice, man. That's very nice. <laughs> well, listen, you know it's. Uh, yeah, I, you know, we just, I, I think that the, the through line with our businesses and, and I think with any consulting business is, is you know, the client relationships, doing a good job, proving yourself. Um, and I'll tell you another thing, you know, it's, I, I, I'm really motivated 20, 20 years on my own now. I'm really motivated to work every day because nothing is guaranteed, right? I don't have, you know, I have some retainer clients, as I mentioned, but for the most part, like if I don't do a good job today, you know, I'm not going to have any work tomorrow. And that may not be exactly true, but you get the idea. Like you've got to continue to deliver. And that's a motivating factor when you've got a mortgage and three kids and a pandemic and, you know, <laughs> and, and people, you know, people that depend on you. And, and I think that's like, if you're not wired that way, consulting might not be for you. Yeah, no, totally. You, you have to get up every day. And I'll tell you, I'm not going to lie. And Kevin, you and I've had these conversations like, what am I doing? Right? You know, like, why am I in this business? How am I going to change it? But I'm pretty motivated, particularly in this last year. Or so I don't know, it's sort of a resurgence. And I don't know why I think it's these podcasts. I think it's the clients that I'm working with. And I, and I also think it has a lot to do with the industry that we're in, in technology. You know, when we were pitching this stuff, it was, you know, at the very beginning, it was e-commerce and, you know, any sort of website. Now, it changes all the time, right? It is, it can go from wireless, it can go to web 2.0, it can go to social social networking, it can go to quantum computing even, right? right? But you're always learning, you're always doing things. And I think in, innately, all of us want to learn 
and kind of, you know, yeah, it's an exciting industry. Yeah. There's no question. Tech tech is exciting for better and worse sometimes, but yeah, there's rarely a, a dull moment. And uh, anyway, yeah, I, I I'm grateful. I think it's a good, you know, this this is a good way to to wrap our pod maybe for today. But it, it I, I'm grateful. I'm looking forward to the year. You know, yeah, I'm, really, I'm, look, yeah, I'm looking I'm excited. forward to the year too. Good. Uh, I you know we could go on for this today. So if anybody has a question or I'm 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 always willing to talk to people who are wanting to get in consulting or starting a business. So feel free to reach out. You know where to find us on the interwebs. Yeah. If or if you've started a business and you want to come on and, and offer some tips or, you know, <sighs> tell us what we did wrong or how we could do it better, you know? Yeah. Take it to the that. next level. Yeah. yeah let's go. <laughs> All right, Kevin, you guys, you have a good week and I don't know if we're coming back next week. We're still looking, we're looking for guests. We'll see how we feel. Huh? I think we, I thought we had one for next week, but maybe not. I'll check our, our editorial calendar. See, yeah, I, yeah. I thought we had one. Yeah, but we had uh, one. either way, man, whenever it is, we'll be back. Embargo's not going anywhere because we got to keep paying the bills and right. he's got to eat. And yeah. so we're still working. All right, y'all. Have a great week. Just